Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Jacinda. Thanks for, thanks for starting this church. How good is that? I think that I was just thinking, I was sitting there, I was thinking, now the last time I was at Coast Vineyard, I, I'm pretty sure it was a party as well, which leads me to believe that this is all you do. You just have, you just have parties constantly, which is, which is a great thing. I like it. I, it'll work. Hey, it is um, absolutely delightful to be here and, um, and, to, and to be here when you're celebrating like this. I particularly like the, uh, the balloon that got away. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, there's always, oh no, a, when I'm looking this way, there's a whole lot of them. <laughs> All right. I think that's like us. It's like, we're not going to, we're not born for the ordinary. We're, we, we just want to kind of sneak away somewhere else. <laughs> hey, but it is, it's amazing. And I just want to say, um, just as I begin, um, that um, I, I want to just congratulate you as a church on, on behalf of our wider movement. So we're, we're, a, we're a growing movement of growing churches, and it's a very exciting thing. And, um, but, but the rest of the family stands and applauds. We're just, we're just delighted. We know, that, we know that church planting isn't an easy thing. You know? If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But the reality is it takes a lot of work. It takes a, it, it's, it's, um, it takes a lot of tears. It takes a lot of um, courage. Uh, it, there's a lot of cheers. Uh, there's, a, you know, there's just so much that's involved in this. And, um, you know, again, just kind of thinking, through, gosh, three years ago when you first launched into here and the, and the leading up to that, the, you know, this began just as, a, as a, one of those little nudges from God with Matt and Jacinda, where it was like, I wonder if God might do something. If, if, we, if we put our hand up, would he do something? And, um, I, you know, again, I just want to cheer you on as you begin this next phase. You know, three years on, you're a, you, you know, you, I mean, naturally speaking, you, I'm not sure what church years are. Maybe they're like dog years. You know, maybe, maybe this is your 21st. I, you know, I don't know. Because you're doing a lot. You know, for a, th- for a three-year-old, you've accomplished a lot. And, uh, you know, so, so well done, well done, well done. Just so stoked for you all. So thank you. And thanks for, the, thanks for inviting me to be part of this. And I, I actually, it was, it was tough sitting there and looking at that, that wholesome health food cake that's just, I can't wait to get into that. Is that you, Rachel, that did that? <laughs> Collaborative effort. Everyone bought their, their favorite piece of health food and stuck it on. This is, this is exciting. So I, I, I'm pretty motivated to preach fast <laughs> and get into it. All right. And I, I just thought, I want to, um, I, I do want to speak out of the scriptures this morning which is good, isn't it? Um, but I wanted to talk just a little bit about this, this sense of, you know, the, the momentum that's happening. You know, that, that, uh, you know, that, like I say, just a few years ago, uh, Matt and Jacinda and, then a, you know, and, their, and their girls and then a growing group of people began to dream that something, something amazing could be possible in this place. And, um, and, and there's a real difference between the churches like this and churches that are just kind of feeling like, you know, we're an institution, we belong here, we've been part of the, uh, we've been part of the, the uh, fabric of our society for a long time. This, and I want to, not, not so much to, um, you know, to kind of contrast good and bad, but just, just so it would help us understand what we're doing. You know, I, I mean, who, who comes to a, uh, you know, to a school hall on a Sunday morning when, you know, as I was driving in this morning, the sun was glistening on the sea. It was like, oh, oh it's calling. Uh, but... But we've got something better to do, and, it, and it's this. You know, so, so our focus, and you know, you're three years old as a church, and, uh, and there's this momentum of, of, of growing, planting, growing again and reproducing. You know, this, this church is full of, you know, it was lovely just watching all the short people heading down to the other hall and, you know, hearing that, meeting, meeting, are we, uh, uh, meeting Tamsin this morning. You know, it's just so delightful just watching that. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're born in the milieu of, of, uh, of reproduction. 
And you as a church are part of this reproductive uh, movement. You know, we're not just about planting churches. You know, when we planted the first church in 1989 in this movement, you know, we've, we always knew it was about churches that plant churches that plant churches. That, this, that church, you know, we need new churches for new people. We need new churches for new generations. And, and part of this thing, you know, you're part of, as well as being part of the, the, the one church, uh, you're also part of a movement. And we gather in churches, and we're, but we're part, of a, we're part of a Holy Spirit movement. We've caught something. You know, that kind of says, you know, we're, we're a bit spoiled for the normal. We, you know, we just don't want to do the kind of, you know, we're going to do this for the rest of our life now. But, but I think all of us have this sense that, and what's the next step? You know, what's, what's God got for Coast Vineyard? What's, what's the next thing for us? So, so just, you know, just for a, a few minutes at the beginning here, I, I thought I'd, I'd just like to talk a little bit about the difference between a movement and an institution. And, you know, and sometimes it's helpful for us to kind of look back and go, okay, so this is, you know, this is what we're building here. But the first thing is this, that, that movements, and, and we, we're fortunate in New Zealand to have a number of church movements, but we're part of, you know, for the vineyard is part of a, it, it is a movement in this nation, and it's part of a global movement, and, it's, and it's, it's a movement that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So one of the things about movements is this, that, that, they're, that they're not top down, they're not, they're not driven by head office, which is pretty fortunate. You know, it's not like you have to get permission to do something, but they're, but they're grassroots driven. It's, it's, it's people, it's ordinary people like you and I. It's, it's ordinary people like Matt and Jacinda. It's ordinary people like, like many of you here who've just, you've had a little whisper and you kind of go, why, not, why don't we give it a crack? Let's see what God might do. Uh, second of all, that they're, that they're vision driven, not organizationally driven. You know, so, so again, it's not this, you know, we, churches like this that you, and, and movements that we're part of are fueled by vision. It's not like, you know, it, it's the, the growth happens around the edges. The growth happens, you know, the difference between a movement and an institution is this. This is not a franchise. It's not like this has to happen the same as every other vineyard church in New Zealand. Because it's, because it's not, we're not trying to just, and there's nothing wrong with franchises, by the way, but, but that's not what we're in. We're not about franchising the gospel. You know, what, we, what we're about is kind of going like, what, what kind of church would really bless a, a, a place like Whangaparoa? You know, what kind, of church would, what kind of church would reach people that are far from God and help them come to meet God? And, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow those kind of churches. And you do one and you start another one and you start another one. Um, third of all, we're, the difference between a movement and an institutional church is this, that, that the growth is primarily from the edges, not from the center. That it's about people who kind of feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're out here and we're kind of wondering what God might want us to do. You know, and this room is full of people who at some point God's going to nudge you. And, and it might be about a business. It might be about, it might be about something in your, in your teaching practice. It might be something, you know, as a, as a mum or a dad. But, but he's constantly inviting us to go, what's the next thing? You know, what's the next step? And that's, that's one of the marks of a movement is this, that it's, that it's not, it doesn't grow from the center. It grows from the edges. You know, it, it's, the, it, it's, it's this incredible group of, of people that have caught something from God. Um, fourth of all, that, that it's, about, it's about multiplication and scalability. It's like, you know, how could we do another one of these in the next closest place? I'm trying to think what the next closest place to here is, but Gulf Harbor. I'm, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a nice place. Yeah, <laughs> that could, it could handle a church like this, couldn't it? I mean, they... You know, as they're walking down to the marina, they kind of go, am I going to go out in my boat or am I going to go to church? <laughs> and the great thing is when you get caught by Jesus, it's like it's an easy decision. It's like, you know, I can go boating anytime, but I can't do church anytime, you know. So, so it's, this, it's this sense of, you know, that we're constantly looking for what's the next, what's the next reach. 
You know, I, I love that about, about movements, that it's not just about this. It's not just about, you know, how do we do another one like this? How do we do a cookie-cutter one? But it's, let, let me, uh, I think there's a quote coming up here um, by Roland Allen. He was uh, a missionary, uh, and um, as, you can, as you can see, quite a handsome chap. Um, and uh, he said this. He wrote a book called The Spontaneous Expansion of the Church, and it's been a book that's really influenced my my practice and my thinking over the years. He says that, you know, and it's, it's uh, you know, it's a, I don't know what it would be, uh, 150 years old or something now, this book. Um, but he says something like this. He says, so, so the language is a little bit archaic. But he says, this then is what I mean by spontaneous expansion. I mean the expansion which follows the unexhorted and unorganized activity of the individual members of the church, explaining to others the gospel which they have found for themselves. I mean the expansion that follows the irresistible attraction of the Christian church for men who see its ordered, told you it was archaic, but men and women, who see its ordered life and are drawn to it by the desire to discover the secret of a new life that they instinctively desire to share. I mean also the expansion of the church by the addition of new churches. I know not how it may appear to others, but to me, this unexhorted, unorganized, spontaneous expansion has a charm far beyond our, high, our modern, highly organized missions. And he was a, so he was a missionary, and he was saying, you know, what we want, we, we want the gospel to be turned loose. You know, that, that, that it's, you know, it's not an organized planting. It's like someone just gets this thing in their hearts. You know, we didn't know that Matt and Jacinda were going to have this idea about, why don't we plant a church in the Hibiscus Coast? You know, it, it, it was one of those things, it was a random thing. You know, in one sense, you kind of look at the, at the trajectory of their life, and you kind of go, well, it was probably going to happen at some point. But nonetheless, it wasn't like, okay, this is the next step, this is the next step. It was, it was you know, probably, probably at a very inconvenient time, um, you know, in a, in a very busy family life period when God began to speak to them about doing this church. And then, you know, for, and for those of you who are part of the, part of the, you know, you were part of the launch team and you were, you were involved in those, in those kind of preview services, you know, again, it wasn't like, this is, you know, my, my, my diary is clear. I, you know, I've got so much time in the world to do this. You know, it's, but it's one of those things where you just, you just know that the Lord's kind of nudging us about this thing. And then fifth of all is, is that the difference between movements and, and, uh, and institutional church is this, that, that the training, and it's, a, it's all about the training and leadership of ordinary people rather than experts. You know, and I don't think that any of us in our movement kind of feel like we're real experts. We, I think we all feel like I, I need to just learn one more thing because I'm on the edge of my knowledge. You know, and I know that the, I know that the life is a stretch. It's, it's like I've got to reach into what I don't know and what I haven't seen yet. That's the, that's the tricky thing about this Christian life. It's, you know, we don't go from known to known. We go from known to unknown. And, and so he invites us to be people who are kind of stretching and going, now what is it? What's the next step for Coast Vineyard? You know, what is he going to plant out of here? What's he going to birth out of here? As well as a magnificent, you know, Christ-honoring, growing evangelistic church that cares for the people and, cha- and makes a difference in this community. What's it going to be? And, and I, I, this is just, just for you, uh, just give me one, one minute maybe to, to just talk a little bit about, you know, this kind of thing that's happening in our movement. But, but when we talk about this thing of training and the leadership of ordinary people rather than experts. You know, one of the things as a, as a movement that we do is we offer, and I've seen on your, uh, on your table over there some of these brochures, but, but we're a movement, and our, and our leaders are very determined to lead in this kind of way, of recognizing vision, of, of giving ministry away, not, not trying to become experts or the people with position and title, but we want to train as many people as possible so that this movement would be not able to be controlled. You know, I, I guess that... I, for me, on my watch, I would love this. I would love our movement to be absolutely uncontrollable. I'd love it to be out of, you know, 
that you couldn't kind of go, okay, it's time to kind of make it all nice and tidy now. You know, and, and part of this is, is you just keep giving leadership away. And um, I, I know some of you are already doing a merge. So, we, so we've got three tracks. We've got a merge, and I know, how many of you are doing a merge? I've seen a few of you around the place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, and, and um, it's, it's, a, it's a training track. It's a one-year training track for people who are kind of like, I, I, you know, I'm sort of feeling that nudge from God. I'm wondering about what's the next step. I'm wondering about, you know, is there something, you know, you know I, I want to, I really want to make a difference with my life. You know, I'm here for 70, 80 years, maybe at the max. And I, I don't know, you know, some of us live a little, some people live a little longer than that, but I think the average age is somewhere around there. But, but it's, you know, but what can I do? Because I'm here for such a limited time. And these tracks, the, the church planting training track, the, the pastor's training track, and the emerge training track, are these ways that we want to give this thing away so that we can't control it. So that, so that the movement happens from the edges. You know, that's the kind of movement that you're part of. Anyway, so I can't wait. You know, so that, sorry, that was a very long introduction just to say I am so proud of you. And, you. and the rest of this family that you're part of is very, very proud of Coast Vineyard. We love what you're doing. We love the church that you are. We, love, we just love the life that's coming from here. Now, let me, let me preach a little. <laughs> you know, the Christian life is an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, if you read, you know, th- this is a time where um, there's so many blogs and there's books and there's, you know, there's, there's YouTube clips and there's, you know, there's just so many things, magazines and, you know, there's, there's, just, a, there's just a plethora of, of all these kind of things of, you know, of, of this is what Christianity is about. This is what, this is what it means to follow Jesus. You know, and, and I think in one sense, we can be overwhelmed with this sense. You know, if there was ever a time to be kind of a mixed up Christian, this would be a great time to be one. Because, because you listen to one thing that's kind of like, this is what it's all about. And then you listen to something else and it's like, no, this is what it's all about. You know, and, and I don't know about you, but there's so many voices urging us to live in a certain way, to lend our strength to this aspect or this other aspect of mission. You know, we can be tempted to be an activist, but then we kind of listen to something else. Oh, no, I should be contemplative. And then, you know, I need to be steeped in deep theology, but I need to take Holy Spirit risks on the street. But, you know, but I need to rest and I need to listen deeply to God. I need to pursue social justice and mercy in the, in the, in the community. But actually, I need to be leading people to Christ. You know? and, and, we, and we bump from one thing to the next to the next. You know, and, and what do we do with this, with this kind of life that we're, um, you know, that we're kind of bumps, pushed around in? You know, sometimes people say what we need is balance. And, uh, you know, and, and for me, you know, I've, I think this work-life balance, this spiritual balance thing, I think it's a myth. It, doesn't, it, doesn't, it does not exist. You know, don't pursue balance because it does not exist. You know, balance, and I, I know I've used this example before, but, you know, th- when I'm standing like this, going nowhere, I'm perfectly balanced. You know, that's what balance is. Balance is you're stopped. You know, balance is, so don't pursue balance. What we want to pursue is movement. You know, that, that there's this thing of, you know, the, so, so like I say, you know, the, the challenge is this. You know, um, how, do we, how do we move in the right direction? You know, the, the Bible talks, it's interesting, in the New Testament, the, the word ambition is used a few times, but almost every occasion it's used in a kind of a negative sense. But I, I want to I take you to a couple of places where it's used in the New Testament in a very positive sense, because I think you're an ambitious, an ambitious people. So part of this thing, you know, is, is you know, we, we've got to learn what it is to take the, the right step at the right time. I know some of you have heard my story, and, um, and, and funnily enough, this, my story of, of having to learn to walk again was, when I, was not long after I met Matt and Jacinda. They came and joined us on, our, on, on the team of the church that, that Vicky and I were leading, and uh, I, I 
kind chiropractor tweaked my neck and gave me a stroke as, as a birthday present. No, no, it wasn't quite a birthday present. But basically, I, I had to learn to walk again. So Matt and Jacinda, at that time, I, I was in hospital, and we had, this, we had all the national directors from all around the world, and John Wimber and you know, all, the, all the international leaders coming to New Zealand. And, and um, we were, we were going to throw this great party. It was going to be a great conference. <clears throat> and um, I got out of hospital, I think, three days before the conference. These guys, these guys have been great. And I, you know, I cannot commend them high enough. But I also want to thank you, too, because, you know, as that began at that time, they, they led a beautiful conference. I, thank you so much for the way you served our national conference. You know, I, I saw coast people everywhere, you know, from, from driving in the driveway to being welcomed at the door to being served in so many different ways. You know, I, thank you, thank you, thank you. We, we are so, so grateful for the way that in the last two years you have, you have helped us have beautiful conferences where, where people haven't had to worry about anything. It's just been delightful. I know it's cost you. I know it's cost you your time. It's cost you, your, in one sense, your involvement in the, uh, in the conferences in, in one sense. But thank you so much. But what I learned, when I learned to walk again, and, um, and I, I seriously did have to learn to walk again, you know, we, we tend to take walking as, a, as it's kind of like, shucks, you know, I don't even think about walking. I'm so good at it. <clears throat> but... but, <laughs> but but when you have to learn to walk again, and for me to learn to walk as a twenty, as a forty-year-old was was phenomenal, you know. And, and I've got to say this: I still feel a little bit gumby when I walk, you know, you know, a, a bunch of years on. But but you know, what I came to realise was that walking is just controlled lurching. You 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 basically you've got to throw yourself off balance, and 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 if you don't put a foot out somewhere, you're going to fall over. And so there's this sense that that what movement is, it's just this controlled lurching, that that we. That we've met, you know we've we've mastered the skill and we've turned it into something so graceful. You know, I, I saw people walking around here and it was it was just brilliant. You know, I I, I don't think some of you weren't probably even aware of it. Which foot am I going to put out? You know, but but that's but th- it's that it's that sense of walking. It's that sense of movement of of one step and then the next step and then taking another step and another step. I think that's the heart of what this thing is all about. So so <clears throat> you know we. As a movement, you know, we're, we're very familiar with this thing of, you know, believing almost two opposites. You know, in our movement, we've, we, we have this, some of these kind of sayings, you know, that, that the kingdom is now, but it's not yet. It's here, but it's yet to come. And we, and we live between those two things. They're both true. You can find ample scriptures to say the kingdom is right now. And you can find other scriptures that say it's yet to come in its fullness. You know, that we believe that God is a God of mercy, but we also know this, that he's a God of wrath. You know, that he judges you know, we, we know that, that uh, you know, we, we've got a great theology for healing. But we also have a great theology for dying well. You know, we, we kind of realize none of us get out of this place alive. You know, so you've got to have a great theology for dying. You know, so, so there's this, we're used to this kind of sense of, of living with two opposite things. So let me take you to a scripture in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 9 through 12. <clears throat> there's one of these places where he says, you know, he, he, he commends us. He says, this is what I want you to give yourself to. <clears throat> so he says, now about your love for one another. We do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, dear friends, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders so that you will not be dependent on anybody. You know, now, oftentimes when we, when we read these blogs and we listen to, you know, and we listen to podcasts and stuff, it's all about you've got to go and do something. You know, get out there and make a difference. Push, 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 push. 
And isn't it fascinating? There's a number of verses. I just picked one. But there's, but there's a number of places where Paul says the same thing. He says, make it your ambition to live a quiet life, to work with your hands and to mind your own business. <laughs> isn't, that just, isn't that just, is that good news or what? You know, it's like, I, wait a minute. I can do that. <laughs> That's possible. I can, actually, I can actually live a quiet life uh, work with my hands and, and mind my own business. That's, that's perfect. I mean, I mean he, he says it again in First Timothy. He says it in a different way in First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and for those in authorities, so that we may live peacefully, so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And this is good, and this pleases God our Savior. See, there's a lot of places in the New Testament that aren't telling us to go out and do wild things. There's a lot of places where it's not just you've got to do something to make a difference. There's a lot of places where it says that. And, you know, and, and I want to tell you that that's, that's one of the most important steps that we can have. It's the step of making an ambition to live a quiet life, you know, to, to actually have a life, to build a life. You know, the, you know, the overarching story of the Old Testament is this, that God, that God chose, a, he chose a tribe of people. You know, this, this nation of Israel. And he says, and I'm going to bless you so much. I'm going to give you such a rich life together as a community that people around you are going to go, how do I get in? How do I become part of this community? How do, I, how do I get to know this God who blesses these people more than anything else in the face of the earth? And again, if we know the Old Testament story, we know, you, you know the, God's intention was for them to live this life with their hearts wide open and their doors wide open so that all around could come in. But we know the disastrous story, you know, as, as you read through Kings and then you read it again in Chronicles. And, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, it just gets worse and worse. You know, it's, it's, people are making it harder and harder for the people around them to come in. And eventually God says, enough. If you're not going to give this, if you're not going to give this gospel away, if you're not going to give this good life away to those around you, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to pour out a, the, the, the Holy Spirit on all flesh. You know, it's a, isn't it a beautiful thing? You know, the, the Bible ends with that prophecy in, in Malachi that he's going to pour out his spirit on everybody from highest to lowest, you know, g, you know both genders, uh, employed and unemployed, important and unimportant, you know, crazy categories. But, but you know, but nonetheless, it's, it's like this, you know, that, that he says, you know, I blessed you. I gave you such a rich life that people around would kind of, be, they'd be longing for that. And I think one of the things that God's wanting to do with us as, as Christians living in this beautiful place, and you do live in a beautiful place, you know, but one of the things he wants to do is, is to live a quiet life, to work with your hands and to mind your own business. <laughs> oh, I didn't think you'd get that one this morning, did you? It's like, I, th- I thought, I thought it, you know, he'd tell us we have to go out and do something. Uh, the Bible actually tells you, just, you know what, build a deeply rich life. You know, when I was, uh, I, I, I came to Christ as a 20-year-old university student. And one of the things that, that, that I was going out with a, with a girl at the time, and, and she started taking me around some of, these, some of these Christian friends of hers. And one of the things that I longed for when I met her friends, you know, and, and I met her, some of these families that she was involved with, I was just like, man, I, I love this life. I love their homes. You know, I, I love the sense you walk into that home and you just sense that beautiful, peaceful atmosphere. That, you know, that, that, that I actually have the attention of these people. They're not so busy. They're not running around doing a whole lot of things that, you know, that I'm just a nuisance. But they're actually sitting down and they're engaging me. There's something about it. See, I was won by love. But it was, but it was out of these people who had this 
deep richness of life. Their homes were so attractive. You know, I, I was won by hospitality primarily. It was this deep sense of going, I, I want a life like that. Um, the, the Bible goes on again in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. But always be prepared to give an answer to any, anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ will be ashamed of their slander. Now, again, it, it's, it just seems like, it seems like, you know, one voice is saying, you've got to get out there and you've got to tell everybody that you meet about Jesus. And, and then Peter's telling us, look, just, just live such a deep quality of life that people will say, what is it about you? You know, I mean, that's what, that's what was happening in my life at that time as a 20-year-old. It was like, what's going on in your life that there's such richness, that I feel such peace, that when I, enter into, when I sit down in your house, I feel like I'm home. You know, there, there was a, there was an, you know, there's an ache in every person's heart for home. And, it, and it's that sense that he's, that he's inviting us into. You know, some, you know, sometimes extreme versions of Christianity will lead us to believe that we have to live extraordinary lives seven days a week, 24-7. You know, it's, it's, always, it's always push, push, push. You know, a lot of testimonies we hear really push us into that direction. But, you know, it's really important for us to take a step back and realize the Gospels are three years of the ministry of the Son of God. <clears throat> you know, the book of Acts is 30 years, uh, highlights, 30 years of highlights of the early church. It wasn't happening every day. You know, it, it wasn't like these, these kind of incredible things were happening, you know, that happened on Monday morning. By Monday lunchtime, this happened. By Monday, you know, coffee break, this was happening. I mean, this is 30 years' worth of highlights. You know, and sometimes we're driven. You know, and I, I, think, I think there's two things. There's, there's, two, there's two things that push against us as, as New Testament, virile New Testament uh, believers today. One is that we're going to work ourselves into a, into a blithering mess. You know, it's just going to be work, 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 and then, and then we, we see it over and over again. People just burn out. People kind of go, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of this. You know, the, the other, I'll, I'll talk about the other one in a moment. But, but, but one of the first steps is this. It's a step into actually having a life. You know, the scary thing is sometimes we can be so busy about trying to do things. We're so busy with our anxiety. You know, Christians are called to be a non-anxious presence in an anxiety-filled world. You know, that, that's what I encounter with these people as a, as a, as a seeker. It was I, I encountered a non-anxious presence. People that were kind of like, I've got time to talk. I've got time to sit with you. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not frenetic. You know, that, that, see, no one can live this frenetic pace of spirituality. And, you know, that stuff is just a, it's a recipe for burnout. You know, so, so if you're feeling bad about everything that you're not, everything that you're not doing, everything that's not happening in your life, you know, in a sense, I, I'd love you to kind of, I mean, you, you can't because you're sitting down, but, but take a step into this. You know, just step into the, how good it is. And he actually is calling me to live a quiet life, to work with my hands and mind my own business. You know, to, that, that, that if someone wants to ask me about Jesus, I'm, I'm going to tell them. You know. But, it, but it's going to come because there's a longing in their hearts. They see something in there. You know, again, Jesus put it this way. And, and, I mean, Jesus always puts it the best way. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and we know the scriptures, but, but come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, so much of what we read and see and hear about pushes us into frenetic activity. And, and, but he's saying, no, 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 
the, the whole thing of giving your life to Jesus is meant to be this, there's meant to be a collective, a sigh of leaning back and going, I am loved, not by what I do, but by who he is. I'm just absolutely loved. Again, uh, Eugene Peterson puts it this way in, in his version, uh, his paraphrase of the scriptures. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Work with me and work, sorry, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, there's, there's, there's so much that will push us today with, with modern Christianity. There's so much that will push us into activity, into doing things, you know. And one of the most important steps we can take is this. I need to have a life. My home needs to be a beautiful home. The, the, the quality of my relationships needs to be not a frenetic, you know, going from one thing to the next to the next, but the sense of leaning back into the arms of Jesus and going, thank you, I get to have a life. I get to enjoy this thing. But there is another step. And let, me, let me very quickly just talk about this one. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14, and Paul here says, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. And I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And I want to know Christ. And yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. I mean, this is quite a long way into Paul's ministry. I mean, he's, you know, he'd... He'd done a couple of things by this stage. But he's saying, but I, I don't think I've got a hold of this thing. I, I, I'm, I'm not there yet. He says, I don't consider yet uh, myself yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, and the second step is this. The first step is build a life. And the second step is this. It's a stretch into the impossible. You know, that it's... You know, it's, it's the sense of, I know there's more. I, you know, I, I know that, that, that God has some impossible things for me to do. If I could do it, you know, I would be doing it right now in, in the sense of building my life. But there's an impossible stretch that I've got to reach out to. There's this, there's this incredible rhythm that God invites us into. This, this you know, to, to me, I think it's this adventure that he invites us to look out of ourselves. You know, Paul talks about this godly ambition. The stretch of going, I know I haven't yet done everything that he wants me to do. I know there's people that he wants me to touch and to love and to bless and to influence. You know, so there's this sense, there's these two steps. Build a life and then stretch for the impossible. Build a life and stretch for the unexpected. You know, there's, a, there's this sense that God wants us to live that kind of rhythm of life, that we wouldn't be caught with one or the other. You know, perhaps the bigger temptation for us in our busy and sometimes overstretched life is not to take this second step of building outside of ourselves. You know, that, that, you know, for some of us, maybe our temptation is that we spend so much time, you know, doing stuff that we're not taking time to build a life. But then there's others of us that are so busy, 
you know, we're just, everything's about home. Everything's about family. Everything's about, you know, I'm just too busy to do that. That we forget that life is actually experienced on the margins. That it's, that it's this stretch that he's inviting us to reach out. The, the invitation from Paul is, make, you know, that this ambition is this. To, not, to realize that I haven't yet done everything that God's asked me to do. That there's more. That he's inviting me to stretch for more. See, ministry... My, the definition of ministry that I came up with a bunch of years ago, and it's been my guiding path ever since, has been this, that ministry is a series of invitations and, and, and conversations. That ministry happens when we kind of go, okay, this is not about me. This is about somebody else. This interruption is probably God. And why don't I, why don't I give it some attention? Why don't, I, why don't I lean into that thing? You know, there's this beautiful rhythm that he invites us into. In, um, in, in Romans chapter 12, I'm almost done. But Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And again, this is from the, the, the message version of the Scriptures. So he says, here's what I want, to, want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Now, one of the challenges for us is, you know, sometimes, sometimes we, can, we can baptize Kiwi culture and call it the Bible, call it the, call it the gospel. You know, kind of go, he just, he just wants me to be, you know, to have lots of toys. You know, I mean, it's clearly God's, that's what it's about. You know, but actually, no, you know, don't become so well-adjusted to our culture. We, we've got to constantly critique our culture and say, what is it that God wants to do? So he says, um, instead, fix your attention on God. And you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, this is the rhythm that he's inviting us into, you know, that, that we wouldn't burn ourselves out, that, that we wouldn't just be involved in this frenetic activity, constantly feeling like I'm not doing enough for God. But there's this, there's this rhythm of build a life, you know, have a rich life, with, you know, a, a rich depth of friendship where people love being with you. You're not, you're not always kind of going, okay, it's um, time for you to go now. Um, you know, that, that we wouldn't be so busy about, about, you know, our things that we've got this ability to reach out and go, what is it that God wants me to do? Not to be so caught into our own culture. You know, sometimes I think, this is, this is my, my final thought before I wrap this up, but sometimes I think we can be distracted by kind of wanting to do... You know, I, I've, talked to a, I've talked to a lot of people that this seems to be the sticking point. It's kind of like, I don't want to do a whole lot of little things. I want to do something really big. You know, I want to do something that's, that's going to be pretty spectacular. You know, I don't want to waste my time on small stuff. And I love what Mother Teresa, Teresa of Calcutta says. She's, she's, you know, she says, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time. And always start with the person nearest you. Now, friends, that's, that's how this church is going to grow. That's how this church is going to multiply. It's, it's not going to be looking for the spectacular things. It's not looking for the, the things that, you know, the out-of-the-box stuff. It's, this, it's just this, well, who's next to me? What's the interruption? What's the conversation I'm finding myself in? And I'm not going to be so focused on building my life that I, that I, don't, that I don't stretch and kind of go, I wonder if there's a word of knowledge that God might have me have give me for this person. I wonder, if, I wonder if this is the moment when I should tell them about Jesus. You know, I wonder if this is the moment, you know, this interruption, I wonder if this, is, this, this interruption is so weird, it's got to be God. 
You know, it's, it's like it's so out of the ordinary, and we stretch. I mean, we, see, I, I think we blow off invitations constantly. But, but what he's inviting us to do is just, is just to stretch. And friends, I just think, you know, in one sense, you know, after the, all these years of following Jesus, I honestly do think it's just that step, build a life. Next step, stretch and see what God wants to do. Build a life. So I'm gonna, were you feeling nervous? <clears throat> I was just going to keep coming. <clears throat> let's stand. Let's, let's see what... I, you know, I, know, I know we've got some celebrations to do, and I'm, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time about this, but I, I would love to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and settle on us, just for a moment. You know, and I think as I've been speaking here this morning, you know, we've kind of figured what step we're strongest in. You know, that maybe, we're, maybe all we're doing is we're kind of leaning into this life step. It's just, it's just about my home. It's about my family. It's just, it's just about, you know, paying the mortgage off. It's, just, it's all about that stuff, career advancement. <clears throat> and then maybe for others of us, the kind of sense that we have is, gosh, it, you know, it, it's been, I am so busy constantly trying to do good works I'm looking for the breaking of the kingdom. My, my life is a mess. You know, it's like, I, I don't want to hang out with me. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you just come and settle on us. And we invite you to, to, we invite you to empower the step that we need right now. So come on.